So one of the things I want to share today is to remember that what we share here in Interlight Ministries is really about an inner pathway, an inner journey that really doesn't have to do with the physical world. It has to do with you, the soul, and your soul's journey through these inner regions within what we call the inner kingdom or our consciousness. It's often referred to as it's not what we do with the body, but what we do in the body. But most of us spend so much time focused out here on all the situations, people, places, events in our lives that we get caught up in it. And what happens is that we actually project our awareness, our attention, our consciousness outwards. And in that outwards then, you've heard phrases like energy follows thought or you get what you focus upon. So what happens is we focus on things out here while well, as our attention goes out there, it creates a connection or a bond. People call it karma, attachments, lessons, all that good, yummy, juicy, chewy, disgusting stuff, right? But yet, there we do. We go and chew on it. We eat our karma, right? We go out and do all these things, getting caught up. But that happens on purpose because as the soul is here in this physical creation, we're meant to go out and have experience. And that experience is what is for the soul's awakening and learning here. This creation physically that we call time and space or duality, time-space energy, is what is often referred to as the tree of knowledge or the tree of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. And so as the soul is here to experience this aspect of God's creation, there are certain properties, if we want to call them that, that go with that. It's how it works. In order to experience in this creation, we have to involve ourselves into it. We have to get caught up in it. That's how we come into this physical consciousness. Think of it, even when we're born, when this body's born, the soul comes in on the first breath. As soon as uh, that baby is taken out of the mother's womb, that first breath is when the soul enters the consciousness here. And so as the soul enters this consciousness here, it's entered this physical vehicle to now have physical experience. And that's all good and perfect the way it is. And as many of you have been around for a while, we talk about reincarnation or re-embodiment over and over and over. Because there's a lot of things to experience here, right, in this physical level. So these bodies don't last long enough to experience it all. We only get to experience a little bit every life. But if we have a lot of lifetimes, well, then we can get a lot accomplished. There's a practical thing built in here, in other words. A lot of people think it's kind of woo-woo, mystical, metaphysical, whatever, when we talk about reincarnation. But if you look at it from a spiritual point of view, it's a very practical thing because to have a lot of experience here, since there's a lot to experience, well, we need to have a vehicle to do that. And since these vehicles don't last that long, they're working on making it last longer, you know, all the new genetic stuff and health stuff and anti-aging. So, you know, maybe that's good. So as the body's longer, we can have longer lifetimes and experience more. And some of us who want to get out of here don't see that as a good thing because we want a shorter life so we can be done and leave. 
Well, really, it doesn't matter how long the physical body lasts because you're going to have all kinds of experiences, whether it's through several bodies or through one body over a long period of time. It's all about the experience we have here, regardless of the body is what I'm trying to say. And if we can begin to realize that and make our life more about who we are as that spiritual being, by now looking within ourselves rather than out here about what we're doing, who we're with, try to make our mark on the world. If we can just let go of that, even if it's just temporarily, preferably 10% of each day, time in meditation, that we really let go of all that outer focus and really now come back into ourselves to become more aware of who we are that is the one having this experience. That's the first step in meditation, is just begin. That's why when we do the meditation, we ask you to close your eyes, because you don't really have to close your eyes. That's just a simple way to say, I'm letting go of the outer focus. I'm not going to let it distract me by closing my eyes. It's like a symbolic representation of letting go of the outer and disconnecting and now drawing my attention inwards and upwards to the seat of the soul and to the divine essence of who I am. Because you can do the same thing with your eyes open. It's just when you see things move around, you get distracted, and just like that, your attention is once again outside of yourself. So in meditation, we're just learning to bring our attention back into ourselves rather than out of ourselves. The funny thing is, since this is a world of duality, the truth is we can never be outside of ourselves. We can never separate from ourselves. We can never disassociate from ourselves. There's no way to lose yourself. So it's funny to even talk about inner and outer in these processes, but just for the sake of duality in the way this creation is set up, we need to speak of it that way because in doing so it helps bring our attention and our awareness to that dual polarity process. Because there needs to be a level of awareness and understanding of that so, we can, so inside of ourselves we can go, oh yeah, okay, I get it. And in the getting of it, just naturally something within ourselves lets go. And that's the whole idea, is in acknowledging life and its process here, we begin to move into acceptance and make it okay and that helps us to let go so we can now come back into ourselves. That's what forgiveness is about. That's why we just did that in the meditation. That forgiveness action is about all those things we've gotten caught up with people, places, things, events in the world, even our thoughts and feelings, even though they're within us, they're really still outside of us, the soul. Those things that we get caught up in at some point through forgiving is really just letting go. Because as soon as we can let go of all that focus and energy we've put into our thoughts and feelings and all the things around us, the sooner we can get back to what's really important, the divine self, the true self. And again, like I said, that's just the first step. We've got to learn first how to disconnect or detach or let go of all those things we've gotten caught up out here to be able to come back to self. And once we do, just that alone, believe me, just that alone 
is a big, that first step is usually the hardest step, by the way. It's often 90% of the work. We go, well, what do you mean it's so hard? I just close my eyes and here I am. Well, you, that's what you think who you are. As soon as you do that, that's the beginning. But do you really know who you are? Have you woken up and experienced your divine self in the fullest to know that? Well, that's the journey now. Once we come back to self, then the real inner journey just begins. And that's what this pathway of sound and light that we teach about in Inner Light Ministries is about. is really about that journey from here through these different realms that we speak of. But just to get to here, to be able to truly move through your own inner kingdom, your own physical body, your imagination, all the things you want and desire and fantasize about, to be able to let go of all that, to come even into the emotional level where all those feelings of hurt and angst, of happiness, we're always trying to seek happiness, right? Well, that seeking of happiness, unfortunately, we think it's something out here. So we're always trying to create situations out here. If I could just find the love of my life, if I could have the perfect job, if I could whatever, we think that's going to make us happy. But yet, the true happiness is an internal state of being. But even happiness in that regard is only on an emotional level. Just the emotional level, how we feel about things, good or bad, likes and dislikes, upset and disturbance, calm for a moment. And then we, if we can even move through that, then of course the mind. All of us have our opinions, our points of view, our belief systems, how we think what's right and wrong. How come some things that are right to one person are wrong for another and vice versa? How can that possibly be? Because it's still dealing with just the mind, not the divine element, the soul itself. And so we ever have to pay attention and realize that we have to move through all these things and not even only that, what about the unconscious and subconscious, the parts we're not even aware of? When we go to sleep or we get knocked out, we pass out, and it's just dark. There's nothing there. It's unconscious. Even that itself, we've got to move past. Most people think, oh, there's nothing beyond that. Even a lot of great saints and gurus and sages and all these enlightened ones will talk about, and don't just believe me, go out. Check out all these other groups and teachers and pathways and everything everybody's doing. And you'll find out a lot of them will talk about bliss and nirvana and the knowing of self. But what they don't realize, the self they're speaking of is just the ego self at the, all the way up maybe to the top of the mind. And some of them have even gone into that unconscious level and have stayed awake and are aware of the unconscious nothingness. That's what a lot of the Buddhist tradition, a lot of transcendental meditation, a lot of wonderful pathways 
Well, why would you think that? Well, once you rise above all the mind, emotions, imagination, body, you've risen above all the karmic attachments, all the things that cause the pain and the suffering. And when you can rise above that, even into this place of nothingness we call the unconscious, well, since there's nothing there, it's peaceful. We've reached nirvana. It's all peace. There's nothing going on. I've transcended the disturbance of the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body. That's what most people think. There's so many self-realization processes in the world today, and they're fantastic, don't get me wrong. But most people stop short. The path of sound and light, the path of the sacred name, has always talked about, not just in the Bible, not just in the Adi Granth, not just in so many different sacred scriptures that talk about the journey of the soul. But this pathway to move beyond the unconscious and really into the divine is the greatest leap of faith and the biggest step for the soul to take. Because people, even enlightened ones who know how to rise above the mind and right up here, you know what, it looks like I'm pointing to the spiritual eye, but if you notice I'm pointing more between the eyebrows, right up here where people rise but still fall short of here. And that's just the inner kingdom. I'm only talking about your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own fantasies, wants, desires in your own body. Not about the group collective consciousness. Not about the outer kingdom, this whole world and physical universe and other universes that are not physical, but through all these other realms. We talk about the astral realm, the realm of imagination, the causal realm, the realm of emotion, the mental realm, the realm of mind, the etheric realm, the realm of the unconscious or the nothingness. That's all part of just the tree of knowledge. It's an amazing, you think this physical universe is huge. All of that's contained with even a greater universe, but non-physical. Science is actually beginning to just tap into some of these things. But the funny thing, it's still only of the physical dimension. Physical science cannot go to the astral science or the causal science. That's often referred to as the science of the soul. Because the soul's journey through all these different realms. So our inner kingdom, our own individual thoughts, feelings, imagination, and body is an outer reflection of the outer kingdom of what we see all around us, whether physically or again, astrally, causally, mentally, or etherically. But ultimately, all of it is a reflection of yet something so much greater. The Garden of Eden itself is what has always been referred to as the soul realm, or the true realm of the soul from which who we are is the divine drops of God, the divine spark that is the child of God that was created of spirit and is spirit. That that true self that is experiencing all these other realms, that true self really has a home. 
but it's a spiritual one, not a physical, not a metaphysical one. That's why I make the jokes about stuff. And a lot of people don't like it when I make jokes about some of the metaphysical stuff. But I do it on purpose to say, let's not get hung up on these things. Because if we do, not only do we create superstitions, but we start creating a lot of new belief systems and attachments that are going to keep us caught up in this physical creation. You ever heard the phrase, the way out is in? It's kind of funny because we've got to come into ourselves, draw everything in and up to the seat of the soul. Just this climbing the inner mountain here is the hardest part. It's often referred to, like I said, 90% of the journey. So just to get here, so where I started a few minutes ago, where I said just getting here to really truly awaken to the soul of who we are, just in the physical creation, at the mouth of the cave, what do you think the whole story of Jesus and the cave and the tombstone or the door? You know, when those, if any of you know the story where he came, he, he rose after three days, they had to roll the stone to open the tomb. That's what this is. Regardless of the physical story, the Bible's full of symbology. This body is often referred to as the tomb or the cave. And here's the entrance and the exit. But we have to roll aside that door. It's covered by the veil of forgetfulness. So even though I talked about these other realms and having to go even through the unconscious, well, we first have to go through all that within ourselves, even through our own unconscious to wake up here, just to the mouth of the cave. If you were to do the inner journey, some of you have done different kundalini yogas and all the other chakras and everything to deal with. That's the first step of the journey just to get to the top of the mountain in this inner kingdom. In the east, they call this path the royal yoga. The royal meaning because it starts here. Many, many, many lifetimes the soul goes on a journey just learning to climb the inner mountain to get here to start the real journey of the soul going home. Because once we get here, that means we have had to overcome and learn so many lessons of all the things we've gone through in the world, everything we've gotten caught up, how we feel, what we think about it, all of our fantasies and desires and judgments and fears. We've had to go through a lot just to get to the top of the mountain. You know the story of Moses? He climbed Mount Sinai and there's the burning bush. Well, the burning bush is the soul that is the essence of God of who we are. When we reach that, every single one of us will have that voice of God literally speak to us and we will also speak too. But climbing that mountain is the hardest part. That's the part that takes work. That's what we call the going home work. Once you get here and you're at the top of the mountain, though, you've done that work. Well, where do you go once you're at the top of the mountain? What do you do then? Well, isn't there a lot of sky and then a sun? Well, how do you get to that sun and go through that sky? You need something to carry you. 
And that's the greater journey this path of sound and light is about. It is our job, our responsibility, each of us individually, to do the inner kingdom work, to learn our lessons, to bring ourselves to the top of the mountain. That's where we talk and hear a lot about LAF, laugh, love, accept, forgive. Just like the first part of the meditation we did is all about filling ourselves with loving, using forgiveness to help release, to come into acceptance and come to peace with those things that we've been in reaction with or attached to. And once we do that, then we can now begin the journey. That's why I even did the meditation that way today. So that you understand the simple process, but there is a process that we've got to participate in. Just like we participate in the world, we're choosing to participate in the Spirit. But there's a process there that's important to understand and learn how it works, and then begin to work it for yourself. So it's a lot of what we call spiritual teaching. So once we can really move through that and get to the top of the mountain here, that's when we within ourselves will come to the realization there's nothing more we can do ourselves. That is the most humble place that we have to come to. That realization that at that point we are powerless to go any further on our own. That is a part that most, most pathways of self-realization do not understand. Because it is all about self. But it is good because the self has to do the work has to come to that realization. But once we get to that point, that may be the end of one journey where a lot of people think they've made it, no more to go. But in truth, it's also now just the beginning of the next journey. That phrase, peace be still, and know that I am, the I am that I am, that burning bush, that that is the flame of the divine, well, that, to know that, well, that takes the greatest sacrifice of all sacrifices. Because in there, we have to be willing to truly now sacrifice the self in order to set the soul free. Paths of self-realization when they come to the self, they think they've made it. Not realizing that that self has to be sacrificed. Or what we like to say, because a lot of people, you know, we're not in a sacrifice anymore. We've killed enough humans and lambs and goats and everything else. We've even killed enough food, you know, making all the offerings of food. So we've sacrificed enough of all the outer but we've got to sacrifice that inner self that people call self-realized because it's still just the ego process of the mind and the emotions and all that goes on in the imagination and body. That's the hardest part. But the funny thing is, once you get to this place at the top of the mountain and you look up and you see there is a light greater than you, way beyond you, 
and you feel its warmth, when you think you've made it, you've gone all the way, you've accomplished everything, you've done it, enjoy it because it'll last a moment or two. And then you'll be disappointed because now what are you going to do? That's really, you know, this is a funny thing. You know how little kids are really curious, but then when they've done something enough, they get bored? That's how the soul is. When the soul knows it's done what it needs to do, we don't necessarily consciously know that through our mind, our emotions, and our ego here, but the soul knows when it's done with what it needed to do and experience in this world, this creation, it knows it's time to look up. And when we look up, automatically that light of God is right there. That light of God is always there. Just because there's clouds in the sky and we can't see the sun doesn't ever mean it was never there. That sun is always shining on that inner sky. But there are so many clouds called all of our attachments, our karmas, our lessons, and all these other realms we just talked about and we talk about all the time. There's so many layers of clouds, in other words. But to get to the top of the mountain, the highest peak, well, even in this world, have you noticed a lot of mountains, the peaks are above the clouds even? Same thing inside. When you get to the peak of this mountain, your own inner kingdom, you're going to be above the clouds. You'll see the clear skies. And I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm not saying this literally just as symbolic. These are true, real experiences, just like we see in the physical. The same thing is inside that you will, as a soul on its journey home to God, experience. I know this. I've experienced it over and over and believe it or not, each of us has, we just forgot. All any spiritual teacher is here to do is to remind us that which we've forgotten. What's so special about that? Why do we make the spiritual teacher so special? I mean, here I was just bawling my eyes out about Jim a few minutes ago. Yeah, that's just part of the human element. But if we understood that those attachments or love we feel for another here is a representation or reflection of the true longing or loving the soul has for God, maybe we'll start to give it a little different meaning. But instead of looking for love in all the wrong places, <laughs> eventually we'll learn, oh, here's the right place inside. But when we get to that point, we're going to realize whether it's out of boredom or curiosity or we simply had enough or we simply want more and it's usually a little of all of it. We're going to realize, okay, I'm standing right here at the peak. I've done all this work. Now what? And literally, not even knowing it, we'll feel the warmth of the sun above and we'll go, what's that? Where's, where's that coming from? And naturally we'll actually start to look up to the source from which we are experiencing that light and warmth. And that's all we have to do. How many times have we heard, I think even just the last class we did, Jim even said, all you got to do is look up. All you got to do is look up. Oh, oh my God, what, oh, the sun. Well, how do I get there? 
well, how many times I'm going to talk in circles around it till I finally start talking about it, right? Well, that's it. It's funny because that really is just the beginning of the journey of the path to sun and light, the royal yoga, is how you get from the top of the mountain now to that sun. And that's the action of the Holy Spirit, the sacred name, that path to sound and light. Just like in the meditation, as I said from here, I said now see before you that path of light and sound and loving between you to that north star of the sun and the sky above. That is truly the spiritual pathway. That pathway is and we'll get a load of this. A direct emanation of God. You go, well, what's the big deal about that? I'm, I'm an emanation of God. Exactly. But we're an emanation of God that forgot that we were. So what does God do? God sends out the messenger, the Holy Spirit, the spiritual teachers, as a direct emanation right out of the beingness of God. Jesus even called them the sons of God. Those spiritual beings that God created to show the way home when the soul was ready. That's what this is about. If you're listening or watching and hearing what we share, whether here or another pathway, there's several pathways on this planet that teach the same thing. Always has been. Just why we refer back to different scripture and spiritual teachers over the ages. Because it's always been here. It's just funny how people just don't seem to understand or know it. But yet it's always here. The reason being is because we are not going to understand or know until it is time, our time, to really begin the journey home now from here, out of this creation. Not the journey just walking the inner kingdom to the top that we're doing here in this world, but the journey beyond all of this. This is about the journey of the soul beyond time and space, beyond the tree of knowledge. That's why it's not known in the world, because the world keeps it hidden because the mind, the emotions, imagination, body do not want it known because as soon as it is known to the soul, this pathway, it is only a matter of time that that ego structure knows it's going to die. And it does not want to die. What did I say was the greatest sacrifice? The sacrifice of the self. The full surrender well, that part that the soul is embodying in and through to have experience in this world, just like the physical body, well, our astral body, our causal body, our mental body, and our unconscious etheric body are all bodies or vehicles, just like the physical, that the soul incarnates or embodies into to have experience through each of these realms. Again, it's very practical. How did you get here? Did you get in a car and drive? Did you walk? Did you take a bike? You had to have a vehicle 
to move yourself from one point to this point. That's the practicality of this journey. The soul needs a vehicle to move about in any level of creation. The cool thing in other levels, you can fly. There's actually other vehicles, though, just, you know, just like we have planes, trains, and automobiles here. Well, did even Elijah talk about the chariot? <laughs> well, back then, that's what it was, the chariot or horse. The horse is often symbolic, representative of that freedom of spirit because of the power, the beauty, the grace, and it's a vehicle to move. So there are going to be vehicles or representations of the Holy Spirit that God will send to assist in the soul's movement from the top of the mountain home into that sun, into the spiritual realms, beyond the physical. But again, it is not until the soul is truly ready to begin the journey home that we're going to have not only any understanding of all the scriptures and what they really mean, but even the wanting to know, the curiosity, the longing to know, but to do something with it, to truly seek after. When we are really ready to begin the journey home, to God, not the journey to the top of the mountain, the journey home to God. When we are ready for that, that's when we will truly begin in earnest and sincerity and will not be able to stop our search for that way home. And it is in that that then God answers that quest, that seeking of the soul, that asking and knocking, that God will answer that when the time is ready because the soul is ready. And then that answer will be another door opened and then extended to the soul will be that vehicle by which the soul can begin now the journey beyond the top of the mountain here. That's often what we call the hand of God, the grace of God, the spiritual teacher, the messenger, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the audible life stream, the pathway, all of that is referenced to now that opening up, that door opening now so we can begin to see beyond the self here and see now into that inner sky where now the greater journey can be laid out for us to begin to traverse. That is the action of meditation that we teach here. That's why we call this a path of sound and light and loving. Because it is through God's loving that a couple elements that make up that loving is sound and light. When you hear us talk about the golden white light or the purple and blue light, those are frequencies of God's Holy Spirit. 
that when we open to, they will present themselves and be present and participate and work with us as we ask. It's a freedom of choice. God does not impose or force. If there's any imposing or forcing, that is the ego. God always loves unconditionally, freely, offers, but never imposes or forces. We have to freely choose into this action, not only of meditation, but choose into and ask for God's loving, to ask for God's light, to ask for the assistance, the blessings, the grace, the peace, even the forgiveness. Even though that's our job to do is to forgive ourselves, let alone others, but it is also good for us to ask for forgiveness from others as well. That can assist us in our consciousness of letting go of ourselves, of those areas that may even be running unconsciously, you know, where we wonder, am I okay with them? Are we good? And you know something's disturbing? Well, that's where it can be really beneficial and advantageous to literally go to the person you feel that with and say, and ask for their forgiveness. Say, please, would you forgive me for whatever I've ever said or done that may have caused any kind of harm or disturbance of any kind? Just you asking opens a door in your consciousness to free you because it's you choosing to let go. When you do that, it really doesn't matter what the other person does. Because some people will be so touched that you even ask, they're more than happy to forgive. But believe me, we all know there's enough people here that are going to say, I'm going to get you. I don't care what you're asking for. You're going to get it. And it ain't going to be forgiveness. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the other person does. It matters what you do in yourself. You could take, if somebody's really mean to you, you could take that and personalize it and beat yourself up with it and say, I'm a terrible, rotten person. Or you could take it and say, wow, I must be really wonderful because they hate me so much because the way I know them, they hate everybody, including themselves. So if they don't like me, then I must be good. We can make up or tell ourselves anything we want, in other words. So what do you tell yourself? That's what matters the most, is what you tell yourself, but what you actually believe. Do you believe you're a terrible, horrible person? Do you believe that in this tree of knowledge of good and evil that you are evil? Or do you believe that you're good and everybody else is evil? Well, it goes the other way, you know, all the holier than thou. It's a game. We can get caught up in, and we do, all along. We're caught up in it all along until the day we finally fly beyond the top of the mountain. That's the day we start to get free of all the games of good and evil, or in this case, evil and good, because the world's always about good and evil. Good is always overcoming evil, right? Well, how would that be true? How come that's still going on so much? If good really always overcomes evil, then how come there's always so much evil to fight? 
I guess it just takes her a long time. Because the game is to get us caught up in the fight of good and evil. The day we can let go of the game of good and evil is the day we finally now transcend it and rise above it. We have to simply leave the game behind. Let it all go. Don't try to create any good and don't try to create any bad. In other words, what was that song? Don't worry, be happy. Even that's still dealing with the world though. Which brings us back to then, well, my God, if no matter what I do in the world, good or bad, I'm still caught up in it if what you're saying is true. That is what we're saying. Whether that's true or not, that's for you to discover. I know it's true for me, but do you know it's true for you? I'm not here to just tell you stuff. I'm here to just share for you to something to chew on, to look at, to think about, to put to practice, and have your own experience so that you discover for yourself. This isn't about brainwashing. This isn't about you doing what we say. It's not. A lot of people will look at it. You go out in the world and I'll tell you what the world will tell you about pathways like this. They're brainwashers. They're cults. That's what they all say. Why? Because a true pathway for the soul's freedom and liberation will always be cursed and cut down so the soul cannot get free. The nice thing is when a soul is ready to get free, that soul is going to walk that pathway and do the work regardless of what the world says. So this has often been referred to as a pathway for the rebellious ones as well. Those of you that like to go rogue, meet your other rogue rebellious participants. We're not actually a group of followers. We're a group of misfits and mischievous. But that's how the world will look at it. And they had called the one leading it or speaking, the teacher they call him, as the worst one of all because they're the ones brainwashing everybody. Well, I figure everybody's brain is dirty enough it needs a little washing. So what the heck. But again... Who cares what the world says? When we can start to really just love and accept the world and what it does, including ourselves in it, is when it'll be okay. This is all about us coming to that place of being okay with things within ourselves regardless of the state of the affairs of others in the world. What is the state of the affair within yourself? Are you having an affair with the devil? Are you having an affair with the beloved? The beloved is truly that creator that created us a soul that we are in that beloved affair with. That sun in the sky is each and every one of our beloveds. That is truly the essence of God 
sometimes referred to as the face of God, the ancient of days, the great architect. If you ever look at William Blake's works, so many references to the face of God. It often looks like Santa Claus, the white hair and beard just glowing and joyful. It's all kinds of references over history. It's all referring to that sun in the sky that is the soul's beloved. That we, the soul, the child of God, God created the soul to love and to be loved by. Why do you think in this world we're always looking for other people to love and to be loved by? Because the soul knows, it just forgot that that love affair is with God, not here in the world. It, in the world, it's a reflection. That's why we experience loving with one another. But then, as we all know, we've got the devil on one angel and an angel, you know, the angelic heavenly angel on the other. While there's also a love affair with that aspect, but that's just a reflection. Just a reflection. Loving the good and loving the evil. But what if we even looked at the evil one as also part of God's creation that God created? Go look up the word Lucifer, I have, and see what the definition is. It's the shining one. God created Lucifer, the shining one, to reflect, to reflect the light of God. This is what we also call the land of reflection, or the lake of reflection, because up in spirit, when you look down on this creation, you see it as water. It's like a water world. But when you live in the water, you're living in this creation, caught up in it. But water, the surface of water reflects the light from above. But it also absorbs the light. You can see light if you've been underwater. You look up at the surface, you can see the sunlight hitting the surface and then actually rays of light coming down under the water. Very interesting. So the light rays that come under the water is who we are. Those rays of that sun is who we are as divine sparks of God. A spark of God is also a ray of God, a ray of light. We are simply a ray of light instead of bouncing off the top and reflected back up, which is what Lucifer was really all about in the beginning, was reflecting that light of loving back to God. But then... As Lucifer, let's just say, became self-absorbed, self-centered. You ever see those pictures in science or space where they show a light bending into like a whirlpool or a vortex? Well, just like a hurricane or even a whirlpool in this world. It's a swirling in a concave cone bending in. Well, that's what happened. That beingness that Lucifer is, the reflector of God, began to warp in. And that warping in then created this bending of light, which is our soul, and now being absorbed into this creation. That's how the soul incarnates into the physical creation. We're all just bent rays of light. Some of us are more bent than others. Jokes 
intended and punded and everything because it's true. So that great vortex is how we became self-absorbed. Just as Lucifer got self-absorbed, Lucifer you could call the great ego. Or you could call God the great creator. Lucifer is a reflection of God. Lucifer is meant to reflect God, to reflect that light. But when we become self-absorbed, what's what the ego is? The ego is to Lucifer what the soul is to God. Does that make sense? The ego is to Lucifer, that is Lucifer's creation, as the soul is to God. The soul is the child of God that God created to love and to love God back. Well, Lucifer just reflected that. Lucifer trying to be God, but just a reflection, but trying to be God, thinking he's God. Then created the ego structure, his child, which is a reflection of the soul. Everything in this creation is a reflection. As above, so below. Lucifer didn't create all this. Lucifer reflected the Garden of Eden. All that that is the Spirit is just reflected. Just like you can see, as I said, on the surface of water, rays of light reflecting. Well, can't you also see everything above it, like the trees and the shore and the sky? When you've got a nice, calm water, you see how clear the reflection is? You ever seen photographs where that's so clear you don't know which is actually which? Is that the surface of the lake, or is that actually the mountains and trees and sky above it? That's why it gets so confusing. But then you get the water all choppy. Well, then it really scrambles all the reflection, makes it confusing. What do you think the story is of even the apostles and Jesus out in the boat and Jesus walking on water and the seas became stormy? That storminess is part of the mind and the emotions, the ego structure of this world. And it is only a soul that is liberated and transcended it that can walk on water. In other words, walk on the surface of this physical creation and not sink into it. Just as Peter, if I have that right, I don't even remember now, he tried to get out of the boat and walk on water, and he walked on water for a little bit because he was waking up to a soul. So he transcended his creation, but then all of a sudden he got hooked into his ego again and started sinking. And right then what? Jesus reached out and lifted him back up. That's the role of the spiritual teacher. The teacher is one who is aware and awake and one with God that God has sent to not only be the messenger, but the one to give that helping hand. And that helping hand is truly God's loving that lifts the soul so that the soul can now rise above the water and transcend it and not have to sink back down into this creation. All these stories are representations of the spiritual journey in these other realms. We just refer to the Bible a lot here, mainly because most people in the West are Christian. But we'll refer to other things as well. Those are all stories. 
of this kingdom and the soul's journey and process here. And so we share about it. Because in sharing, it helps to stir awake that which we have forgotten. That is the value in the storytelling, is to help remind the truth that we have forgotten about who we are and where we've come from, that in truth we're all aliens to this physical creation or travelers just passing through on a temporary visa. We don't want our green card. We'll go for our blue and purple card. But here's the key. All the responsibility and power lies within you. It doesn't lie as in tell the truth and lie. It resides within you as in lies within you. It all resides within you. It is what you choose, the freedom of your choice, of what you want, where you want to go, what you want to experience, that will determine the outcome or the results of what you experience, good or bad, physical or spiritual, any of it. But as I said before, when you, the true you, the soul, is really completing your journey in this physical creation because you've done everything you came here to do and experience, at some point, you're going to know it's time now to leave here and to go home. It's been a great trip. It was a sickening, horrible trip. It was a wonderful, fantastic trip. It's going to be all of that. But at some point, we'll want to go home. Why? Well, we all get homesick. That's also called the longing of a soul. When that longing begins to awaken, we will just hurt to get out of here. We will hurt to get back home. And that's where God literally will then bring the soul spiritually, unconscious to us here, but our soul will be brought to a spiritual teacher, a pathway by which now we can begin to receive the teachings or the rememberings, the tools, the techniques, and the sacred name, the keys to the kingdom in order for the soul now to truly do that journey from the top of the mountain back to that sun in the sky. But we have to ask, we have to choose. And as we do, then God delivers, God gives, God shares with us. Not just through a physical form talking about this, but truly having inner experience, whether in a dream, whether in an intuition, whether we have an out-of-body experience or a near-death experience, or whatever you want to call it, we will have something. Something will stir within us. And that stirring, when we become conscious and aware of it, we'll begin to know we are on the right track. You know, they say all the stars in heaven align. It's that type of thing. Everything just lines right up. 
And all of a sudden, it's like the floodgates open, and boy, we just feel flooded, or everything just changes, and we move forward so quickly. Our life just transforms. Those are what you could call signposts to let you know you're on that journey and now beginning the process of really now flying or transcending the mountain. But you need to have some idea of what that looks like or sounds like. You need to have at least an idea of how to do it. And you need to have those keys to do it with. And part of the journeys, getting in a plane, you need a pilot to fly you from point A to point B. And many other servants, if you will, to assist us on that journey. Well, God has that all set up. You want some fun, entertaining reading? Read The Staff of the Shepherd, that book Jim wrote in the 90s. Nice, small little book. If you haven't read it in a while or if you've never even heard of it, check it out. He explains a lot, not only about the spiritual journey I'm talking about now, the soul transcendence, but even all the things to deal with, the inner regions and realms and angels and masters and teachers and all kinds of stuff. Because I know we have a lot of questions. That's why even on our monthly classes, we have time for Q&A during our retreats and workshops. Because we all have questions, whether personal ones or just in general. And that's what this is about, is learning for yourself what to do, how to do it. But most importantly, to do something. If you know this is resonating and you're ready to walk and fly and begin the journey home. When we're ready, it's always provided. But we also have to ask to receive. So it's at a point right now where it's it's fun for me. So when you see me take a moment like this, I'm just looking inside because at times when the Holy Spirit's present to keep sharing, sometimes it's just a flow, and other times I know it's called, okay, take a break, and then come back, and during Q&A, the rest of the flow will take place. So that's what I'm looking at right now, because it's really strong right now. It's really nice. It's both a joy and challenging at the same time to sit in this chair doing this kind of work. For those of you who've had any taste of it, <clears throat> 